Miss Sandy is smart. After her extensive education and worldwide experience in coatings, she can tell you it's all about processes and people. That the secret sauce to crafting a well-run manufacturing business is not just the recipe, but an approach and placement. And this is where Miss Sandy shares her pearls of wisdom by shining the light on the unrecognized and unaddressed that could be lurking in your job shop. Think you need a new employee? Perhaps a rework of the way you organize and work through a job is in order first. Maybe addressing downtimes, housekeeping, part failure, and addressing your own talent is what should come first. Get ready to level up your powder coater game. Because one thing people don't understand about powder coating is, um, as opposed to plating and anodizing, there yeah. is a lower overhead, a lot yeah. lower overhead. So, you know, I've been focusing on getting a lot of work in over there. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, I'm super stoked. Let's get this going. Um, All right, sounds good. So let's see, how am I going to start? Okay. Welcome to the Powder Coder Podcast. I'm your host. That's my husband in the background. I'm your host, Kim Scott. <laughs> and today we have Sandy Closa. Oh, I'm messing up your last name. Say it. <laughs> Kloshevsky. Kloshevsky. I never would have said it that way. So I'm so glad you it's, helped me with that. Yeah, it's not pronounced like it's spelled. But Sandy's uh, a lot in yep. the Facebook groups and stuff like that. So she's also uh, the general manager of uh, aeroplating.com. Uh, welcome to the show, Sandy. So happy to have you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So you're, I find you're, you know, we kind of briefly talked before we started the podcast today. And I wanted, you have such a, a dynamic and diverse background because you've been in powder coating uh, for a very long time and you've done lots of things in the industry. So please uh, share your history in getting into this business and where you started and how you come where you, you know, what you've done in the industry and where you are today. Well, for myself, I grew up in Pennsylvania, northwestern Pennsylvania. Um, my father, my uncle, and another gentleman owned a fabricating shop. And in the early 80s, <clears throat> one of the reps from um, a powder supplier, I'm not sure who it was then, and a gamma supplier came to them about doing their own finishing because they were sending their finishing down to Pittsburgh or over to Cleveland to have it powder coated um, <clears throat> and finished. Well, so they have hauled it around and they got with their attorney and the attorney said, hey, you know, if you do this, why don't you start under another DBA um, so you can get your 
competitors to bring their work there. So that's what they did. And um, myself at that time, I was probably 11 or 12. And then my siblings were around close to my age. We're all like two years different here or there. And um, we could actually work in the powder coating shop, um, the finishing shop, because it's considered a finish, um, a service. It's not a manufacturer. So by age 11, 12 years old, um, we were hanging parts by age 13, I believe I was um, actually doing the application of powder coating using the Gimma guns, um, both manual and um, automated guns. They were a little more prehistoric back then. We also did fluidized dip. We used a lot of thermal clads. Um, <clears throat> Uh, powders because we worked both with thermoplastics and thermal settings <clears throat> and we did a lot of AT&T parts for the the uh, power lines um, uh, the anchor inserts for Zern etc so I worked there for several years <clears throat> decided to go to college at that time I was really interested in going um, for education so I decided to go to Edinburgh State University in Pennsylvania for education. Well, after a few yeah. years there, I realized that, that, yeah, I was going to be a teacher. And then I realized, yes, the payoffs are really good, but the pay <laughs> is not as good. Yeah. So um, I started applying. I wanted to go to California. So I actually got into um, UCLA Long Beach. So before I went out there, I started back in those days, we really didn't have emails. So I started faxing um, resumes to companies and I was contacted by a company called Crest Coding in Anaheim. And they offered me a position as the expediter and um, project manager and both expediter project managers. So I accepted that and I worked there several years. Um, I really babysat uh, a company that was called Laurel, which was an aerospace and that. And we did other products, but there were certain ones that I was the manager of. Um, and then going through the years, <clears throat> I went to several of the um, finishing <clears throat> um, uh, uh, meetings and stuff like that. And I met a lady that was a Cuban female that started a plating powder coating <clears throat> business in Paramount, California, Inez uh, Trujillo. And this was a lady at uh, a female from um, uh, Cuba. And this was in the sixties and she started that business on her own. So I really wow. idolized her. Um, yeah. I went to work for her and I worked for her for several years and then helped her family, her son and her daughter, Joe and Joanne, set up um, their company, uh, also Save on Plating, in um, Phoenix, Arizona. And it's still family owned. Um, I talked to Chris, the, the son that I knew before he was born. He's running the shop out there. His dad's still the president. Um, I learned a lot from her. And then from there, I just moved on to a few other companies. And then I went to work for a company called Finishing Concepts, which we um, actually went in to help set up systems. So in other words, somebody was doing fabricating. <clears throat> I didn't have a finishing shop or they had one, but it, it, they just weren't sure what to do. 
we went in to help them, found out what their budget was, became the middleman to get, you know, the chemicals that were to be bought, who to go to, what services to use within that budget. But from there, we would learn from the techs that came in on what to do. So the techs could leave and we stayed on and train their team members. Um, I've furthered my education by getting an engineering degree, process engineering degree at Arizona State, um, because I found that um, if you want to manage your people properly and you want to keep them busy and happy, manage your, pro manage your processes properly. Make it as simple as possible, as quick as possible, kind of use the lean manufacturing, um, which has really worked. So I was there for... <clears throat> 14 years and um, two of my siblings worked there as well and two of my children and um, they closed down because of the COVID situation and that um, the owner's uh, wife passed away and uh, I was out of work for a while just doing some um, contracting work here and there and Aerostar here in Huntsville, Alabama, um, Aerostar Industries, they contacted me for they found um, well a couple people referred them to me, and they found me on Indeed, and um, yeah. they offered me a position here. So here I am. Awesome. Well, and I think along that journey, you know what really you know you kind of touched upon it a little bit was just writing out those to do you know like this is how you process this part or this you know like when you're starting to get like larger accounts and uh where you're systemizing a bunch of stuff you have to you have to make a routine about it you have to have whoever's doing that part know exactly what step one is step two and it seems sort of kind of like obvious sometimes with powder coating you know this is what you need to do to get but sometimes writing that stuff is so very important because People can make mistakes or overlook things or, and that's where, you know, coatings can fail or you can have trouble, you can have trouble in the shop, you know, if things aren't written down and, and, and stuff. You, is that pretty much what you were doing for these larger companies? I know you, you were, you flew down to Mexico or something or you did something in South America. That is correct. Yeah. I was down there with a few companies and we did it because um, I speak Spanish and English. So we were down there. We wrote, you know, helped a few companies out, helped them get going, but also wrote their processes. But <clears throat> one thing that I've developed is not just written and photograph one's processes, but actually videoing it um, because a photograph can be misinterpreted at times. Yeah. Um, like really what direction is that hanging? Those questions. Mm -hmm. So what I found is videoing it and actually putting it on a local server or on a website and where the team members can pull it up at their workstation. That way they can watch the whole process and, oh yes, that's the way to hang it. They can speed it up a little bit, stop it to make sure the parts are hung right. But furthering that, um, working with a few companies, excuse me, um, we were able to go into a few companies where whatever rack they hang their um, hooks and that on, mark the racks like 
HA or whatever it may be, and put that on the process as well. So when part number 5306 comes through, they see, okay, we use the hooks from HA to hang these parts. Well, the rack that those hang on actually has like a weld on it that says HA. So it's very simple. That way they can get everything prepared during, you know, before the job runs. It's very quick. It's slow. You know, it cuts down on any waste. And, you know, you got to include uh, your labor as waste when when it's downtime. So right. what you you know, you're focusing on your line density, um, you know, your your wasted downtime, um, your changeovers, if you're dealing with changeovers. Um, those things. So you want to minimize those, you know, and that's where the processes help because <clears throat> people can come in and say, yeah, I know how to do it. Yeah, I know how to do it, but they're not really sure of all the processes, but it's written down. Plus one thing, even your new, new team members that even if they have experience somewhere else, they like that because they don't have to stop and, well, what are we doing? What are we doing? And one thing I always tell people is if you have team members that are standing around, the first thing you want to look at is have they been trained properly? Second thing is, has, you know, how is their management? How is their supervisor? Um, is Are they directing the, the job properly? Are they directing the, the process properly? So all of that combines with um, your processes and management, um, you know, overseeing your team members or as I call it, coaching your team members. It's just part of the process, it, you know, and I think a lot of people get the misconception about management or bosses. I myself, I, I really dislike that those names. I like coach. Um yeah. Because that's what you're doing. You're you're coaching your team to be better than you, better than anybody. And that's what's making you money. I mean, that's right. what makes a company money is your team members. So doing the processes properly all the way down to your changeovers, your percentage, if you're running um, reclaim, what your percentage of reclaim your virgin powder is, everything on that. Now, there's variables that will change that, you know, your grounding and stuff like that. But if it's in your process that um, your hooks run, if you're running an automated line, if your hooks run through the automated system three times, they have to be changed. Those things, you know, right. and you put all of those in the processes. And, you know, some companies will say, well, we don't, you know, what if, um, say you got 300 hooks? Well, 50 of them were okay. Well, you do, you're slowing down time to, go through to count 50 out of 300 that are, you know, so what you want to do is you take them all down, you space them and take them all down and burn those off. So right. it's, it's all routine process routine. So. so you're saying like, not only do you need a process for your employees or for who you're hiring, or even if it's just one or two people in your shop, you know, you also need to have your own process as a manager to make sure that they're, managing their time they're doing their process right so it's like a two-layer two-tier thing too it's not just set it and forget it kind of thing um where you're just hoping and praying they're doing it right um 
and stuff, but you also, you know, cause there, there can, I mean, with batch coders, uh, you know, there can be a lot of downtime while you're waiting for something to cook. Uh, you know, you're waiting for that click, uh, to start the timer kind of thing. And I think that it, you know, to kind of segue into that, because most of what you've done is line coding, but you have some really valid, I guess what I'm trying to pull out of the conversation is uh, utilizing the stuff that you've learned on the job into into bettering your batch system um, and and stuff like that is, and that's where I'm trying to address, address this educational gap or this informational gap that's happening where you've got these line coders that have been doing it, processes and stuff, but not a lot gets leaked out or down to batch coders so that they can take that information and modify it to their level. It's almost like a tale. I was researching this right, right before we got on. It was like, it's like a tale of two cities, right? It's, it's yes. like uh, we've got custom coders over here in this corner and then we've got line coders over here and yeah there are some dynamic di diversity i guess uh for lack of a better word in terms of processes but somewhere in the middle there's got to be there's got to be some good stuff in there that we can discover about ourselves and improve each you know uh, group of there, people. there is and uh yeah so i mean i don't know if you have anything to say or in response to that do you agree or disagree i i firmly agree um for example at this location all we do for powder coat and liquid coating right now is batch that's we don't have a line here um we're looking at getting one but <clears throat> looking over there it's like okay so you have um an employee that's doing liquid an employee that's doing powder and they both kind of know how to do each other's job so okay you have parts that are powder coated you don't have as a batch unit you don't have that many to do so what you do is you have your your batch guy do those put them in the cure oven set your alarm and go over to the liquid line so you've just cut down on your labor cost because you're using one person because yeah. I've been in companies, for example, that will have a liquid and a powder or two, let's say two powder booths and they'll have two painters, but you go in and you'll see a painter put stuff in the oven and then he's going, you know, or he or she is going and waiting for them to come out of the oven. Well, the other guy, the other individuals in the other booth painting and it's like you could be using that same individual, one individual to do both of them. Um, and that has to do with your processes. So um, all of us have processes. We have a process of um, doing dishes. We have a process of taking our showers. So in reality, we all have a process and the processes do help if you stick to those processes. Now, Every so often, there's going to be a deviation that you have to deal with, and you just be prepared for those. Right, um, right. A lot of times what I've done, whether it's on a batch line or a, um, a uh, conveyor line, um, the best thing to do is um, 
know what you're doing when it comes to bad parts, actually create some bad parts. Mm -hmm. So you find out what the results of bad parts are. Um, actually, I learned that from an individual a few years back. Um, he said, I want bad parts, create bad parts, log everything that's bad and how they became bad. So from that point on, they were an OEM supplier. So at that point on, that could also be put in your process. So that way, right away, if there was um, bad parts coming out or something, people knew what to do right away. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a few people really have come on the show I, and said that that's, that's actually, it's funny because you're, you're like the second or third person that is actually, you know, um, I think we've talked about that in earlier podcasts. I'm not thinking of who it is right now. It might be Paul Foster. He had, he did, uh, we did a show on um, workflow equals cash flow. Uh, and he actually in his showroom, he had like, bad parts, <laughs> you know, or bad powder coating jobs or whatever. And he, he used those to show his customer, you know, um, what you don't want to happen or what can happen. And I, um, you're, you're talking about it, using it as, um, a model for your employees to, to, you know, to not, it's, that's a, that's a really, I like that, uh, because, you know, we're so scared trying to, we don't want to make any mistakes, but really the, the, um, the value is make the mistake so you know and can identify what the mistake is and then have a process around that. Exactly. You, you log everything, photographs. Um, I'll have to send you some photographs of parts that we did. Um, we dealt with the system that um, had the wrong type of powder booth set up. So we had to run these parts and we were getting, um, for example, two mil at the top of the part and 12, 14 mil at the bottom. So we had to adjust recipes. This was on an automated booth, but there's a point to this. So going through the processes and creating that, we were able to figure out these are the settings, the recipes that you need to use, whether it's you can use that on a batch, you can use that on a automated system. And this is what we run them at. And this is what creates the bad problems. So as soon as you see those things, you know how to correct them. And um, it, it really does work. It, it, it yeah. works very well. Yeah, and let's go back because we we actually you actually said a lot of people don't know that term recipe. So uh, now that you've brought it up, let's let's go over that because uh, I want to start using that word. <laughs> I mean, we've always said batch and you know like baking cookies or whatever or baking life or whatever yeah. like like bakers do, you know, uh, cake makers or whatever. But uh, yeah, let's let's talk about that. Okay, well, you're right. A lot of people, especially those that um, <clears throat> run batch systems, they've never heard of the word recipe. And technically, what a recipe is, is whatever part you're running, what to set it on. Um, it's predominantly, but not only used for automated systems. So um, you got one part coming through, let's say part L6. Once that part comes up and you look on the work order or in your um, your your uh, your computer program, I'm sorry, your EPR, 
I just got a mental block. Anyways, when you look at the work order, um, you know that L6 is coming through. L6 is run at recipe um, three. So you set all your guns at three. Well, all your recipes at three. That means your settings on each one of the guns. And um, for those that aren't really sure of it, on an automated system, you have a whole bunch of units that look like um, your batch unit, but there's a whole bunch in, in a box, in a, in a cage, and each one of those have to be set a little bit differently. Well, what you do is you set those and then you lock them in. So right away in your um, in your process, the people know, well, L6 is coming through. We use recipe three for, th- for these parts. And if they set that recipe on three on each one, whether, you know, three on your right may have a little bit higher um, UA or a lower uh, KV for a reason, but those are planned ahead of time. So that's, it's a recipe that makes your product, that makes your product good. Kind of like chili. I seriously, I mean, making yeah. a chili, you have your recipe, you have your process and you know, which ones, which, you know, how much to use a, a teaspoon of this tablespoon of that. Right. Basically that's what your recipe on the guns are. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it, you know, it's funny cause these gamma guns and the Wagners and they all have these where you can program, obviously for those that have these sophisticated guns, not everybody does, um, you know, the advantages to having that, you know, like, so if you're for Ross, you know, he's big on hot blocking, uh, just as a time saver for him, you know, because he's just out there doing it himself. And so it, you know, uh, he's got his own, he's figured out his own settings for what he does or his processes. And it's funny because until we started talking about hot blocking and it became such a, uh, a big topic in, uh, in the show uh, or with questions, follow-up questions from a lot of fans and followers and staff was, you know, what is his method? Because uh, he's never really thought about it until now. Right. And uh, it's really kind of gotten him thinking more deeply you know, uh, about what exactly he does and how he does it. Cause he's never really paid attention to that until it kind of, people were asking him specific questions and he's like, Oh, wow, I don't, I'll have to do it and figure out what the answer is to that question. I just do it naturally. But there are, you know, the advantages of, I mean, that's just for a custom coder. That's, you know, what a recipe would be like your hot blocking recipe. What's your KV and what's your, you know, like, all of that kind of stuff of what do you, what temp are you shooting it hot and, and everything. So I hope someday to produce the video that we took for <clears throat> the hot blocking. And of course it has a, uh, you know, the troubleshooting as well, but I, it's one of those things I'm, I've got on the back burner right now, but I do hope to produce a video about that. But you know, is there a certain mindset uh, that you need to be in when you're, you know, you had to think this through for as, a, you know, being paid, at, you know, as an, you know, as a company coming outside company coming in to help these people set that up. What is there a certain way that you think these processes through? Do you, I mean, what's your method to, 
or tips on how to really think through your processes for your batch system? Um, the first thing I look at is their square footage and their their whip area, um, their workflow. Those are the first things that I'll look at. And if they're already in, if they already have the equipment and it's installed, <clears throat> sometimes, I, I mean, for example, a, a company we worked with bought a 500000 some dollar booth that it wasn't the correct booth. Well, that's a brand new booth. They, they they can't just they can't say, oh, well, <laughs> we aren't going to use it. Let's buy a different one. Right, yeah, exactly. That it back, don't maybe. happen that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So from that point, you have to figure out, okay, what can we do to improve the processes and keep the quality good? Um, and a lot of that, again, goes back to processes. But your housekeeping and then definitely always fall on lean manufacturing if if somebody isn't familiar with lean the best way to look at it is um any wasted time so what you want to do is keep your flow either as straight as possible or in a horseshoe so you don't want to be for example running um product backwards uh you don't want to say you do some finessing or something like that um, you don't want to do one farther away that is the first process. So you you want to ah. keep it in order. So, you know, those are things you look at and you look at your square footage for that. And what what is possible? Um, for example, the booth that I was talking about, well, that can't be moved. But what can we do to make this easier and quicker? And. You know, if you're a new company starting out, whether you got one employee or it's yourself or you have 130 employees, um, people do get frustrated because sometimes things aren't turning out properly right away. And how I've always kept my team members, whether it's one person or 130 people, you keep them motivated. You get them together and say, look at it this way. We're going to get through this. We're going to resolve it. And the good thing about you knowing this is going back to what I said about producing wrong parts. You're going to know what to do right away. I worked with a team that I explained to them um, that oh, it was a disaster. Um, the oven was built. The oven didn't have a man door in the back. There was three turns. Parts were falling off. Mm. Um and I told the team members, I, I explained to the team members, the good thing about this is you've been in here since the beginning. We're documenting all, the, all of this. You're going to know what to do once you start running smoothly, if that happens again. Because unfortunately to say this in manufacturing, in finishing, it's Murphy's Law. <laughs> there is going to be something that happens. There, It will be. Um, if anybody thinks differently, they're living in um, uh, make-believe land. Um, so the best thing to do is be prepared for that. And those team members that were there from the beginning that were seeing this and dealing with this and getting frustrated, later on, if that happens once or twice, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we we know how to handle that you know, to the newer team members. 
So, yeah. you know, that's the thing, training them properly and keeping things, um, as we say, and I, I won't say the full term, but kiss, keep it simple. Yeah. You know, um, you just want to make sure. And you, you know, whether it's yourself or whether you got team members, one to 130 or whatever, um, they're the ones that matter. They really do. Um, they're the ones that normally know, right? When things go wrong, they're, they already kind of they know do. what the problem is. You really need to just listen they, to them, right? You know, they do. And that's why, um, you know, this, this company is not real large, but I started Gemma Walks and that here. So I get with the team members, um, the leads every morning at nine o'clock. Then on Thursdays, I like to get with everybody in the shop at one o'clock by the shipping office. And we all just talk about things. And one thing I made clear, this is not a blame game. I don't want you names used or anything else. Now we can say departments like, um, prep department sent over some parts stuff like that right. do not use names do not play the blame game and it seems to work really well so that helps everybody understand what the other the other departments are are dealing with and coming through and right. that happens to sell you know, the department you're not calling him out you're just calling his department out it just totally takes the, uh, the emotion and the aggression out of the or the frustration out of yeah, I, I, that is just really sage advice there. I never thought of it like that, you know? Um, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead, well, continue, because that was good. Well, I, I will tell you where that led. I will tell you where that led. And, and I am at work right now, so I will tell you with the gentleman that's here. Um, one thing I was really proud about is we were having that meeting at one o'clock, and I noticed someone kind of dented the building. <clears throat> They ran into it a little bit Oops. and um, almost every place as I lived, nobody would own that. So I was set, you know, during the meeting, we were all standing there and I said, oh, I see somebody did some new designing on the building. And, you know, because we all get together, the team member actually owned up to it. He, he said, oh, Miss Sandy, I, I did it. I'm sorry. Which, you know, I told him it wasn't like, oh, you're in trouble. It was like, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, your honesty goes a long way. Yeah. Um, but what that does is shows your other team members that the integrity, you yeah. know, and, and that means a lot. Um, having a close relationship, working relationship with your team members is so important. Um, I, I've never been a crack the whip person. It's like if I see somebody doing something that is outside the process, I go up to them and it's like, um, you know, Hey, how's it going? And that I've never seen it done that way. That's how I come across. I've never seen it done that way. Instead of, Oh my God, you're doing it wrong. You know, um, yeah. I've never seen it done. And maybe that individual say, yeah, we were doing it this way, but it wasn't working. So now, you know, you know, yeah. and you, you know, in the larger companies, not in a smaller one, but larger companies, you explain, well, we got to have a deviation written for that. In a right. smaller company, you listen to them and it's like, you know what, that really makes sense. Let's change this process. And your process can be a handwritten process on a tra uh, shop traveler in the ERP program or whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, a lot of people kind of look at a difference between um, 
large companies that run production and smaller companies, but they all pretty much fall under the same category. Now, um, my son is in quality and he painted for many years. Very detail oriented. I could never have him on a production line because he's so detail oriented. He slows the production line down. Now I can take him in a booth and have him coat custom wheels. Excellent job. So what I've started noticing through the years is, okay, let's get him into quality because he is very intricate about stuff. So um, those are the things. And your, your supervisor, your owner, your supervisor, your manager, whoever it may be, needs to really watch their team members and, and pay attention to their team members. Um, I've seen companies that'll be like, Oh, this person isn't working out. Let's fire them. Yeah. Um, I hate that. The way I look at it. Yeah. The way I look at it is will this individual work in another um, uh, department or, you know, another process? Um, They may be really good at masking. For example, like I was saying about my son, uh, I would never put him on a production line. Never, never, never. But quality works. It's really good. Um, if he was on a production line that I was running and I was a crack to whip, it would have been like, nope, you're not working. Goodbye. Um, you know, training your team members, which is part of a process, is it's very important. And I do hands-on training. And, you know, um, you know, I show them the techniques. And one thing I watch out for when I'm training is the first thing I tell team members that are learning is take notes, remember the questions. Don't ask questions while I'm doing this. And I've had several while I'm coding, they'll start asking questions. And it's like, this isn't going to be good because a lot of people say, well, anybody can powder coat. That is incorrect. Yes. Anybody can powder coat. Anybody can paint. But are they doing it properly? There's a difference. So, you know, yeah. training those individuals things. So I like I like how that and and I think if you uh I listen to the podcast that comes before um this one, uh and the date that we air it, um, it's gonna be the uh podcast with Powder X. He actually uh, addresses that, but I like your answer just slightly better because it's just a little bit more finessed, um, and really, uh, um, but both of you, it's kind of interesting because both of you just brought that up. Uh, and as we're talking about this, I guess what I'm on right now these days is this, uh, sort of educational or informational gap or educational, where's this industry going in terms of education and stuff? And um, it started, you know, you and I connected because you put out a post on Facebook uh, that included about 25 questions uh, to kind of understand, you know, if you're hiring. And I kind of took it a little bit uh, further, you know, like if you were hiring someone, these are the questions, technical questions you should be asking these people if they are coming to you and wanting to be uh, a lead powder coater or any kind of uh, powder coater in your in your company um and we'll make sure that we post that to our vault so you'll be able to you know click on um 
our link to get the vault. It's on our website. Um, and that'll be provided in this episode uh, where you get access to like all the freebies that we throw out and all of the great info that these guests like you come on and want to share. Uh, so thank you for, for allowing me to, to do that. And I think um, with that one, I actually kind of just changed it just slightly where I kind of made it like uh, also about yourself. Like if you were just a garage coder or if you were just uh, starting out yourself, these are some questions you should ask yourself there, you know, like, what do you have? Do you know what a Faraday day cage effect is? You know, like, uh, do you hot flock? You know, that can be a yes or no. It doesn't matter. It's just like, what's your stance on that? What's your, what are you, are, you know, do you know all of these things? So we'll, uh, we don't have to go through the 25 right now, but um, there, there's certainly really, really good questions. And I, I appreciate you putting that together because they are so critical kind of things. Like if you don't know what this is, then you should maybe go and find out, <laughs> you know, what it is. Cause it Correct. could be, it could be affecting your final finish um, and stuff. And I, I guess that's what makes these questions so uh, valid because it seems like those are the same topics that keep coming up in the Facebook groups uh, um, and, and, and when someone posts something about a, an epic fail on a powder coating job, like what happened here, you know, and a lot of them is just already in these finishes uh, or in these questions uh, that we'll have in the vault. Uh, but moving on, um, I think what I want to talk about more is this. Uh, I brought this up in the last episode. I'm going to continue to bring it up because it's in the latest Powder Coating Tough magazine. I don't know if you re read this article or not, or if you get this magazine. Um, I get it because I think we're members. It's because we're members of the Powder Coating Institute. Uh, and it is a really good article from her point of view. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think, she, uh, and it's hard to address, like again, the tale of two cities, um, what's happening in the greater industry or the line coding industry is not necessarily what's being happening in the custom coder industry. Um, and to deconstruct the article, it's a good written article. Obviously, she's a doctor, um, has a degree, uh, a doctor degree um, and stuff. And she is addressing the greater problem. Uh, I think first off, they were really, really good with getting the data out in terms of that we have an aging industry. Um, Overall, we have an aging industry. And they were saying that, and this is just uh, manu the manufacturing industry in general, okay? So hear me out when I say this, Sandy, because I, I would like some feedback uh, on this. And so basically she's saying that um, the average age for the people in our industry is 44.4 years old. So 45 years old. 
and um, 30% uh, that we're going to start experiencing a 30% workforce loss uh, in our industry because people are aging out. Is that what you're seeing? I mean, you've been in the industry and been far and wide in it. Is Would you agree with that? To an extent, it is happening. But <clears throat> unfortunately, to say this, I I have to kind of lean towards it's a lot of it's the fault of companies a lot of times um if they bring people in and they train them properly a lot of people don't understand that um even your schools don't fully recognize powder coat application as a technical job that's mm -hmm. kind of going back to what we were talking about it is a technical job. And if you put it that way, if I see, I go through, um, indeed, I look at posts all the time and it's like powder coat painter or powder paint. Um, and it doesn't really give a detail. So if people start realizing if they put powder coat application technician or um, application tech, um, it's going to draw attention. Um, that's just like saying, you know, the old gas station attendant pumping gas or a gas station attendant. So a lot of it honestly has to do with wording and how you make the team members feel when they get in there, going back to training, um, training them properly, showing them steps, not putting them in the dirty booth and saying, hey, you know, coat this part, but staying there with them and giving them um, some directive in that, making them feel that they're learning something new, like they are. Um, that makes a lot of a difference. Also, pay makes a lot of difference. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, California, Southern California is is a lot more expensive to live. The pay rates over there are a lot less than they are, for example, here in uh, northern uh, Alabama for the same jobs. Um, so that's because they got more people to fill those positions. And what happens is people don't realize, again, going back to the anybody can powder coat, um, a lot of times they have somebody come in, uh, they look good, they're, you know, they're powder coating like this, the part looks good. They're not really testing for mill thickness or anything, you know, the, the owner or whatever. So that person get, has a job until the customer complains. Um, and then he gets rid of that guy and, oh, I'm looking for a new warm body. So mm -hmm. it goes back to, and, and so I, I tend to agree with it to a certain extent, but it also has to do with how you train how you motivate the team members, you and you know your new onboards, um, how how you provide it. Now, most of your powder coat applicators, they're not going to stay there forever. Your older ones, you're going to have there longer. You're you're older, so I will agree with that part. Your mm -hmm. older ones because. Um, they're not going to college or they don't see, right. well, why should I do this for $13 an hour when I can go to Aldi's, sit down and scan food for $15, $16 an hour. 
So that's the thing you got to, you have to look at those things. Um, environment has a lot to do with it and a big, big thing. Housekeeping. Housekeeping has to do with keeping your team members. If they come into an organized, and it don't have to be beautiful and spotless, but right. organized place, they feel more like it's um, a position they're going to be at. Um, one I, of the questions on my, yeah. One of the questions on my, my questions is, are you looking for a job? Or are you looking for a career? Yeah. Something is that. That's number two on your list, <laughs> you know, or career. And that, you know, that can tell you right then and there. I mean, I'm, I'm glad it's at the top of the list. Um, you know, uh, in case somebody does, you know, because number one is, do you have a resume and, you know, not everybody is coming to the job, uh, like that, but, you know, depending on the position, I suppose, uh, you know, um, but, you know, yeah, I think that's a great, it's like you not just thrown out these questions, you put them in the order of importance, I think, too, as well. Um, and that could really set the tone for the interview, uh, right? It does. And one other thing that I actually, I've done many times is um, if I have team members and I've trained them in that, and they come to me and they say, hey, Miss Sandy, um, I'm looking for another job. I will ask them at that time, do you have a resume? Even, if, I mean, these are my team members. I'll ask them, do you have a resume? Well, no, not really. Do you want help doing the resume? Because what will happen is if you show that team member and you help them make that resume, they're always going to remember you. And there may be a possibility where they look at it and they're like, well, you know what? I really like this company. Maybe it's worth staying here for $2 less an hour because they care about me. Um, I have one team member that is here that, um, you know, he has a, uh, an, a job offer at a larger motor, motor, car, uh, motor corporation. And um, I told him, you know, just make sure you turn in your resume two weeks prior to. If you need a letter of recommendation, I will provide that. If you make sure I get that um, resignation letter at, at minimal two weeks before you leave, I will make sure because he's a, he's a good team member. I told him I will make sure there's a position here for you because you're leaving on good terms. And, you know, I don't know if I can promise you the same position or the same pay right at that time. That bridge would be crossed. And they always remember you're, you're, People remember those things. Yeah. Um, so I never, you know, if I can help somebody um, move on and move up, that's fine because it, it shows integrity of your company as well. So it, it really helps out. Um, some of my questions are purposely jumbled. Um, just like, you know, you've seen some people asking, well, what's the answers? What's the answers? I don't need to give the answers. If, if you're going to be an applicator, one, search those out. Why should I have to tell you? The yeah. second thing, I like to split those up and never ask consistent questions because if they do have them memorized, kind of like taking the, the mental tests. Um, 
they'll ask the same question different ways, same right. way. Yeah. Um, that way somebody isn't like crib noting it, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, you, Sandy, you sound like, you're, I, I would work for you, Sandy. <laughs> I, I appreciate You sound like that. a really good boss, you know? And um, You mean you would be on my that. team. Right. And, you know, I think that, I think you're right about the pay. It's like, if a person feels that they're working for it, the right fit for them, uh, then the pay actually becomes secondary. Um, uh, I, I don't know if you agree with that, but that's kind of where I was going with your thought on, um, you know, uh, that, the, you know, pay, that it can vary, right? The pay can vary depending on the part of the country that you're in. Um, I look at some of the posts on Indeed and I was like, oh my gosh, I could never... You know, I've never want to pay someone that low. Uh, but again, our dominant thing here is the cost of living, you know. Right. So moving on. So what this article continues to talk about, I have four points. Um, um, and I guess her thing is, is that they can improve or get younger people to to become in, come into the workforce uh, by you know obviously having trade schools and universities supporting scholarships and learning opportunities uh, from the manufacturing, and then she says we also need to sell our industry to a generation that is fundamentally different than the generation um, that is retiring. Um, I guess because of the aging workforce. And I, I, I mean, I, from a custom coder point of view, I mean, I, I agree with maybe more schooling or more educational opportunities or learning opportunities, but I, for growth, but I, I think the coding is pretty much selling itself through viral content, you know, um, and just it becoming more of a broader subject matter for customers to seek out powder coding because they're hearing it everywhere right uh they're hearing it from their friends they're hearing it from their work they're hearing about it um online social media whatever if you know if they're interested in that you know like typically it's automotive and i know this is a really small cosm of that i'm talking about but people are hearing about powder coating in general uh because of social oh, yeah. media platforms and stuff like that, um, or because their friends got it done and now they want to get it done too. Um, what do you, do you have any other, I mean, do you, in terms of schooling or learning opportunities, what do you think about that? Well, one thing that I've worked with several companies that overlook a major thing, um, you can actually turn powder coat application into a technical job. Um, if you do this rightly, companies are able to offer their employees in most states and most counties, um, not in other countries. I, I know Mexico is excluded. Other countries may may not. But one thing a lot of companies are overlooking 
is there is programs in almost every state, in almost every county or parish, there is in the U.S. called OJT. You're on-the-job training programs. OJT will cover powder coat application. So what that tells you is you can get an employee in that has no experience in that. You write it up. You get the OJT program implemented into your business. You train that individual. You have them working for you. Companies, there are diff different states and different counties go by different regulations. But anywhere, every county and every state offers six months to two years, depending on where you're at, six months to two years. And they will cover 50 to 70 percent of that employee's pay for that for that amount of time, six months to uh, two years, depending on your location. Um, there's not enough people out there. And unfortunately, HR is a great program. You know, you're, you're HR people, but a lot of them are on knowledge about they don't seek out the OJT programs. Be coming out of contracting in that. That's what I looked for is this company gave me a a, um, a, you know, a, a set price that I got to make. And, and that's what I got to stick with. So finding the team members, plus you can get the people coming out of college, you treat it and you present it as a technical job. And they feel more important because they are learning something and you can get them in. So say you're paying them $20 an hour, actually out of your payroll, it's only, you know, anywhere from 15 to $10 an hour. Right. So what gives you that plus you can add to your leads, you can um, up the pay for your leads and those things. But so many, I, I don't know why people don't look at those things. We right. have a lot, a lot of tax credits and a lot of tax credits and a lot of uh, tax breaks. Um, I work with the second chance program as those coming from incarceration into society. Mm -hmm. There are some great benefits. Um, most of those individuals, they have to have a job. They have to. So they're going to come to work every day. Um, right. Yes, you're going to have some bad apples, but that that's in life. The other right. thing is you don't have to worry about dropping your analysis because they have to do it. For so there's a lot of protection. So presenting those tax credits, I like to use those things because it saves a company money. Whether it's one employee or 300 employees, you use those um, people that are on TANF or whatever uh, different states call it, public assistance. There's um, you know tax credits for the for companies, um, veterans. There's there's tax credits for companies. So I do encourage people, especially those in a small business, I encourage them, look at those programs. Um, if, if they're not sure to programs, all they have to do is whatever their state is, type in, for example, here it's Alabama OJT program. Um, if they ever have any questions, they can feel free to find me on Facebook or whatever it may be. And I will help them out as much as possible. It's not like I urge to do those things. Yeah, I think uh, I, that's brilliant. Uh, a bit of advice, Sandy, uh, from you. I, I my you know, my um, internet's my internet's running weird. So oh, I can hear you just fine. Um, okay. 
it, yeah, it'll probably speed up again. Um, you know, we did participate in something here recently in Hawaii where they they had some kind of an incentive. Uh, I think it was called Aloha Connects or something like that. And it was through uh, um, a regional uh, payroll uh, HR company where they were trying to kind of uh, incentivize the hire the, the employer uh, and in order to kind of spur some intermediary uh, work uh, to keep people, you know, working and uh, exploring new opportunities and stuff. So they did, they basically took the first round of CARES money and, and put it towards this program. I think the state was behind it as well. But, uh, you know, I think you're right. These programs have always been in place, but I have a feeling once we get past this saving our companies kind of cares money or whatever the government's going to dole out next. Um, I think that that's probably what's going to end up happening. We're going to end up because it's not just happening in manufacturing. It's happening everywhere. You know, uh, a lot of uh, industries are aging out. It's, it's more of a broader demographic that we're talking about here. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that, uh, with her next point, she's talking about, uh, they're skewed, you know, she's kind of getting more into, uh, more skewing of the demographics in terms of race and, degrees and stuff like that. But I think the bottom line is, is that the, they, they've put, manufacturing has put a lot of money into chemistry and chemists and chemistry degrees and all kinds of other aspects to powder coating and liquid coatings. Uh, but they haven't really focused too much on the, on the operations or processes for these plants. They're, they're sort of dated um, and stuff. Uh, maybe their, their equipment's old or whatever. Um, but I think that for me, I see a huge growth in custom coding. Um, and when I look and read all these articles from these, from these, uh, magazines and stuff like that, like coding world and stuff, you know, I try to stay in with the broader understanding of the market. Uh, it just intrigues me, but I really do see a huge growth in custom coding. I can kind of feel it in my bones and just trying to figure out, navigate how big it's going to be or when, you know, it's already happening. Um, but I think a lot of this seems to be coming uh, from custom coding. I don't know, maybe you disagree. You're kind of, you've, you've seen the gamut here, so. I, I I do not disagree. Um, there is a lot of growth, and I'll tell you why. A lot of the new powders are coming out with um, are not predominantly just for production lines. They're for the smaller job shops that are doing architectural products, stuff like that. Um, there are certain parts <clears throat> that you don't want to even deal with a production line you you want to do them in a batch um you know a custom coat line um the other thing that i do want to add adding to that is um i've seen people get scared because they'll be like 
oh, um, we got ABC company over here that does powder coating, you know, larger corporations. Um, they make these extrusions and they run them and this and that. Um, I have seen some smaller job shops, uh, custom coders do a lot better near those because um, they have to run other colors. And for a line to shut down, to change over, I guarantee this. If you have a small custom coat line that's near a larger um, uh, manufacturer that does coating, you're going to get their overflow. You're going to get their other colors. You want to focus on them. You want to bug them. Hey, you got anything over there? Um, you want to bug those people and, and get them. Um, you know, so I look at a lot of that, but yes, you're, and another thing you want to, and a lot of people don't look over, I, um, I creep indeed. I have alerts. I look for companies locally. When I, I did contracting, I looked for companies, larger, smaller companies that were always looking for um, people to do powder coating, not just to go in there and train it, but if I knew custom coders in that area, because if they're always looking for somebody, something isn't going right. They're going to have to have those parts coded. Indeed can also be used for a great sales mechanism. It really can. Really? Yeah. I, I just talked to someone who actually is right in between two large powder coating line operators, uh, larger factory, you know, uh, guys, just like you described. And he is like literally like halfway between both of them in a, a you know, a, a town, I think in Michigan or, or you know, somewhere up, up north. And uh, I was just looking at his website and everything. It needs some help. And I was trying to help him out on what he needed to do. but. I'm like, you know, he said he took a little bit of a hit during COVID because those factories uh, kind of slowed down. But uh, and so he was exactly doing that. I mean, I guess sometimes people think, you know, I'm going to go out into the boonies and I'm going to buy a piece of land and put a huge, you know, and, you know, a huge uh, warehouse and get my powder coating and people will come to me. And that works sometimes, you know, I mean. I, you know, it was just described the other day uh, with my Powder X interview uh, where he uses, uh, he uses the facility at Borotech where he did exactly that. He went out way out of the, you know, way uh, for, and started it. Now people are coming to him, but that is more like more or less sort of the not norm, um, but being and doing what you just said, of being in between two larger companies to start your company and get that overflow is really great sage advice. If you're thinking about moving somewhere, you know, or, or expanding or getting out of your garage, uh, you know, cause a lot of them are at that point where they're just ready for that commercial space, you know, and yep. to think about that. Um, one of the last points they were making was, uh, I guess, uh, they will, uh, she's saying that, um, it, it's, she's talking about the recruiting process. Um, 
in order to fill the pipeline with workers, we will have to update our recruiting process and efforts or we will fail. We will actively need to recruit employees from current industry underrepresented groups or we will struggle to fill positions. I think that's already happening. <laughs> I mean, I, um, and that's the, you know, kind of going back to what you said there um, is, you know, building your company around a culture that they want to be there at, uh, which is, I think, what's happening. And let's throw up your website because I, I really do like your website too. But while I do that, um, can you speak upon, uh, upon what she's saying? Um, they, they will need to realize that there may be such a demand for those with trade school training since so many are going into four-year universities that we will need to compete to win the opportunity to be their employer. employer. Well, I will add this. Um, my father always told us, uh, all of us, he said, get a degree in a, in a good uh, field. He said, but the problem is white collar jobs, they come and they go. What you need to do is you get your degree in a job to get your foot in the door, but also have a trade because the trade is something that will always be there. Um, and that is shown so much to me and proven so much to me uh, because going back to what we're talking about, is it is a trade and and people are overlooking that um, industrial painting powder powder coat application um, your anodized line runners your plate runners um, that is a trade it really is but through the years people have neglected to look at that as a trade not everybody knows how to do it what is a trade look up the definition of trade we're not all plumbers, so plumbers are a trade. So these are trades, and you have to sell it that way. And I have got so many of the OJT programs to approve it under a trade. Uh, and I'm talking powder coat application and that, to approve it as a trade because it is trade. Now, the whole catch about that, they cannot know anything about it. Well, they can, you know, know about it, but they've never, you know, had a uh, powder application gun, you know, gamma or whatever in their hand. Um, so you train them. But it all goes back to um, motivating your team members, making them feel like it is a professional business. What has to do with going back to what I said, your housekeeping. Um, if you don't have a lot of money for um, uniforms, at least get T-shirts, um, have people uniform. People like that. Your team members like that. They do. They feel part of the team. They, they feel that. And including them in those things. Another thing is, like I said, I, I've started the Gimmel Walks. Our company's not real big. Started the Gimmel Walks because what it does is it includes everybody. Um, when people feel like they're part of the team and they're making a difference, they're more likely to stay. And it doesn't yeah. matter if they're 16, 24, 34, or 58. Um, you just make them feel that way. Because if they feel like, man, this is a dirty job. I come here, I get dirty. You know, to them, that's a job. 
Right. And people leave jobs. They leave jobs. Yeah. People stay with careers. So you want yeah. to make it feel if you want them to say, I'm looking for a career, start from the moment you contact them to set up an interview, make it professional. I don't care if you're a one man team looking for a part timer, make it seem professional, set it up to a certain time, give them options on what time. Look at your options. Have you ever powder coated before? Have you ever liquid coated before? Um, check into the OJT programs ahead of time. Um, call them in for an interview. Don't just give them the position on the first time. Even if you want to bite your tongue, step back, have them come in again. Give people at least two interviews. Why? Because it seems more professional. Um, when you interview the person, try to present yourself professionally as well. Even if you don't have a big shop, make sure it's in a little big break room that's clean, but also dress appropriately as the, inter you know, the person doing the interviewing. You don't want to have holy shirts and stuff like that because they're seeing that. So yeah. you want to present your company professionally. And let me tell you something. Um, I have team members that actually do have degrees and they're here. Um, you know, it's my job, you know, the people that are doing the application of the powder coating, that's, that's a technical job. The people doing the masking, they're reading blueprints. That's a technical job. Um, my, my um, lab tech, all of those, and you make them feel and honestly not just making them feel that way selling them you know swampland in texas well there are swampland in texas swampland in let's say nevada um you want to make sure that what you're selling is true so that way it's professional to them and that's the way to do it whether it's like I said, even if you're hiring somebody, you know, that's staying in a shelter that's coming in and, and, you know, it's a part-time job. Mm -hmm. That's how you want to do it. Um, from there, encourage them to grow, encourage them to grow because doing so they're going to refer other people over. This is just brilliant advice, um, for any stage company, any stage coder uh i think it's awesome um i'm learning new stuff too you know and i think that when you're so overwhelmed and busy with business you just want to get a warm body in there but you really just need to kind of slow it down a little bit and um really think through the 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 job and the culture that you're trying to bring to your uh to your company and I know it's, it seems painstaking on top of everything else you have to consider, but um, I think it's just awesome that you are, we're talking about this. This is actually the first time that we're actually talking, we've talked about lots of other problems in the industry or in the, in the, in your company and stuff, but this is really kind of getting down to um, a, a huge part of your company, especially if you're growing it and stuff. Um, we recently, um, and I don't, I don't think I've mentioned this just yet uh, because it just happened a couple weeks ago, but 
uh, when you're saying swampland in Texas kind of thing, it got me thinking, you know, we, let me share my screen um, for a second here. Um, uh, well, I had to think um, that one through because there actually is swampland in Texas. So that's yeah. why I'm saying about us. Um, so this is uh, one of my websites that I started for the powder coated powder coater community, where they can list uh, their shop up here for free. It helps people that just need a valuable backlink to their own website um, and social media and stuff like that. But you know, truly, it's an international directory. Uh, we we do have Steve in Okinawa. Hi, Steve. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, I hope more coders add to their shop, but this started, um, uh, right now, oh, wait here, I'm going to get to, uh, well, we have a, got some new guys in here. I think, I think there's one, um, powders, um, trying to find my powder page. Jobs. Here we go. Um, so we have a link on here uh, that kind of helps custom coders. So I might as well just announce it here on this website because we are talking about people and uh, work and um, and hiring and stuff like that. And um, if you are hiring someone, you can add your powder coating jobs openings to the podcast uh, to this website powdercoatingnearme.com uh for right now it's it's easier for you just to email me or uh at info at mauipowderworks.com or connect with me on messenger to let me know what your listing is so i can put it up for you it doesn't take me very long um to do it and um this guy here was the inst you know uh bradley heath uh, is growing super and he's willing to relocate. So I'm going to put it out there for anybody in uh, that would like to move to Utah. It's a beautiful state. I was like, when I was talking to him, I'm like, oh, I better not show Ross this because he likes Utah. <laughs> he might want your job, <laughs> but they're growing really fast. And this is a great way to, uh, uh, you know, he's looking, I think for three people um, and he's willing to pay you to move out there. He's willing to pay you a higher percentage and stuff. So I want to let everybody know that, you know, you can add yourself to this and we can get the word out, help get the word out for you um, and stuff. And I, you know, this was user generated. I, I, I built this site. I don't know where it's going to go. I want it to go and to help coders any way it can. And when he uh, posted that he was looking for somebody. Um, I reached out to him and I said, Hey, let's put this up on the website. And after I did, uh, three other companies, um, came out here and, um, came to me and said, I have got, I've got some more openings too. So, uh, it's a great way to see that the users of the site can actually change and modify what it is that they need with it or for it um, and stuff. So, you know, I would eventually like to have some kind of a platform for education and training on this website. It could, it could be that, it could do that. So, um, 
anyways, I just, I didn't know if you knew about this website and stuff, but uh, I just wanted to kind of show you it too, because who knows where it can go from here. I mean, it's mainly a search engine for consumers who find, you know, who are looking for a powder coater with specific needs. So we have lots of different, um, like if you're just looking for someone that does motorcycle and ATV, there are 68 coders, you know, that do that or have listed themselves with that. Because um, I mean, Google doesn't necessarily tell you everything you need to know um, about what a powder coater does um, and stuff. So I thought this is great. You know, we can, um, it, where there isn't some liquid coating guys and stuff too. We're just creating more and more. There's guys that are adding the ceramic coating in there. There's 10 that do firearms and five that have park and all kinds of stuff. So anyways, uh, just wanted to kind of show you that uh, and the jobs because it's kind of a new feature that we have uh, on the on the website now. Impressive. I had thought about doing that once before, to be honest with you, and I just never followed up on it. So that's impressive. Um, both for the powder coaters and the jobs. Um, yeah. And then, you know, training. But I, I do got to hand it to the gentleman in Utah because you do not find many of the custom coders that will actually um, help somebody relocate for that type of position. So I, you know, if he's listening or if he watches this later, I would like to really um, commend him on that. I really would. It's a very yeah. good idea because what he's going to do is if he interviews them properly, he's going to get a person that will stay with them. He really will. That's why I, when I, when he posted on faith in the Facebook groups, I just had to reach out to him and say, I can help you. Let me help you. How can I help you? You know? And it, you know, it immediately thought, wow, I have this website. Let's do this. You know, let's, let's make it about that. Uh, so it, who knows, maybe a consumer will land on the site and, oh, well, there's jobs, you know, like, Hey, I'm in the Utah area. I never thought about this, but you know, like you never know what, the community is going to produce or make available to you, right? And I actually know somebody that's um, down in Arizona that I'm going to have to send him the link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all I did was just copy his LinkedIn, I mean, LinkedIn, but his Indeed ad, you know, the text from it, yep. you know, and put it all in there. It took five minutes, you know, I mean, I'm happy to do that for everyone and anyone. So uh, but yeah, who knows where it'll lead to? It could lead to uh, a platform uh, to educate people freely, you know, um, or, you know, for a small nominal fee or whatever to host it on that platform, you know, or that website, you know, half the battle is just building the website, you know, oh, let's, yeah. take, let's take a look at your website. I, um, uh, you have a, it seems like you have a really nice website, actually. I like the colors um, and stuff, and it's real clean. I, um, I do want to add while you do that, that um, because as I was telling you prior to starting the podcast, um, the powder coat department had been kind of overlooked over. We do powder coating. There's not a whole lot of a mention on the website for Aerostar, <clears throat> but we do do custom powder coating. Um, 
we basically, it is a batch. We have a small uh, conveyor, but it's a batch. You know, the conveyor runs through the batch. Um, our capacity is eight by 10. We are able to do, you know, little jobs, large jobs, et cetera. Um, but I, I appreciate you bringing the Aerostar website up. Um, it's, we, yeah, we do um, many different anodizing here. Um, they are batch anodizing. Um, we do batch plating. Um, we do liquid coating, liquid industrial coating, um, a lot of military, mil spec, uh, DOD, defense, <clears throat> um, aerospace. Um, we do screen printing on the parts as well. And there's something that isn't mentioned on there that they did not realize <clears throat> that is a very, it can be a lucrative business. We have our own plotters. So if anybody watching this needs custom masking, high temperature masking, we can do it. We can do it and our turnaround time um, can be, you know, within two days. If you go through Etsy and those for custom masking or even custom fab up in um, Wisconsin, it's very expensive and their turnaround is no less than one week. Wow. Looks like he's taping there in this. Oh, yeah. Um, he's actually he's taping some up. That's our screen printer. That's Cliff. Um, but he is masking some up to do to printing. Um, these are great photos, by the way. Did, did you just bring someone in? Are these your own photos? Or I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that maybe this website was up before you. Yeah, the, it was up before I was there. There are some changes that have to be made. Um, there's a few people that are no longer with the company and really if they're no longer here we really shouldn't keep their picture up or either that we should crop it you know just out of respect yeah. um but, but yeah, i love the overall feel because whether you're a customer or whether you're looking for a job to, to work for you you're this is culture right here this is this is your culture you know um and it's really forward thinking to uh, to let the viewer or the user on the website understand what you're about. Um, you know, uh, I, I just, whoever did this just did a brilliant job of this uh, um, for you guys. Well, the person that did it is, uh, he goes by Joel the fish. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Anderson the fish, but yeah. Yeah, Anders, Joel Anderson the fish, yes. Um, he was out of Ohio, but I believe he's up in Nashville now. Um, but yeah, that's who did the site. Yeah, um, very clean. So, yep. You know, um, and stuff, because you guys do a lot of different things. And oh, yes. Did a brilliant, uh, just a brilliant way of, of showing people all the different things that he's done, you know, and, and, and the photography too, you know. While you're looking at that, I do got I, I have to add this. Um, I've been a lot of places I've worked with one to a couple hundred different people under me. This is one of the first places that I've been. My team members are here every day. I do not really hear them complaining. I mean, your natural complaints, you know, stuff like that. Um, they're not um, Nelly. Nelly Belly complainers. They're here every day. I don't deal with 
we're so-and-so they, they're here. I mm-hmm. I'm like, it's, it, you know, and that's one of the things that is great about being a coach and not a boss because we can coach them and, and we all work together. We really do. And your teams are going to speed up your production. They're going to make your quality good. Um, they're going to back you and they're going to make your job easier. Yeah. So that's the major thing. It is. It's a great takeaway. Um, so uh, just to recap and close, I mean, um, I, it's just that you just said it. I mean, that was it just kind of put a pretty bow on everything we talked about. And we didn't even get to like the other stuff. I don't want to make this forever, but I'd love to have you come back on the show because uh, we really didn't talk about some of the other things we wanted to talk about. Um, and uh, that, you know, I mean, these questions are a great starter and stuff, but um, but we we got the ball rolling on education and um, and and job work, job force training and stuff like that. So. Uh, before we get off today, you know, I found you on Facebook. So, uh, go everybody go over to Facebook. I'm going to throw up your, um, um, and follow Sandy. Uh, I'll make sure to put the link to your Facebook page in the podcast as well. Uh, the podcast and, and your, um, Aerostar. And um, just come on back anytime, Sandy, because I, I you have I would so be much knowledge um, and stuff. Appreciate you coming on the show today. I would be honored. I really would. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Well, everybody, have a great day. Think about your processes. Think about your um, your culture. Think about your workforce training. Uh, definitely. Um, take uh, Sandy up on that idea of the OJT, which is the, what's it called again? OJT, it means what? On the job training program. On the job training. Um, And look at your county, your state, um, and start Googling that uh, because you might be able to uh, scale your company um, using a program like that. Um, And it's a great way to start instead of, just putting out the full on payroll taxes, they may have some, and we do, we need this training to happen in our industry because we are, as well as other industries are gonna be suffering from, um, you know, wage gap, age gap, uh, kind of, uh, but I think the interest is there for powder coating. I really do. I think that, um, I think that as long as we're all participating and knowing what our needs are, and coming together as a group, we should be able to work through this um, um, issue. And again, if you guys need any job postings on the Powder Coating Near Me website, just please email me at info at MauiPowderWorks.com. And uh, yeah, have a great day, guys. Thank you, everybody. Aloha. (laughs) 